Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. The General Post Office in Central is our fourth General Post Office and each one has marked a new era of reclamation over the decades as the Post Office in past times needed to be near the water for when the ships arrived with the post. Being old-fashioned, I love the art of letter-writing and definitely have a fetish for Hong Kong's stationery shops. So an interview at the General Post Office allows me to indulge my passion for aerograms and stamps and Basildon Bond envelopes. Also, something I hadn't noticed was the lovely views back into Central that you get from the Post Office's big windows. The GPO is under threat of demolition to make way for a ground scraper, a low-rise building that will incorporate office space and retail and go as far as the Star Ferry. Katie Law of the Central and Western Concern Group feels it would be a shame to lose the GPO, which, if its post office functions get moved, could still be put to other use. Charles Lai, a PhD student of architectural history at the University of Hong Kong, also feels the building is a good example of modern design that has its place in the Hong Kong community. The GPO was built in 1976. My name is Charles and I'm a PhD student um, at the Hong Kong U working on a project in architectural history of Hong Kong. So primarily I'm interested in the GPO because it's, first of all, it's a marvelous piece of modern architecture, but also it stands as a symbol uh, of the city's uh, past. And also it has a certain kind of relevance with the current status of the city as a symbol of the whole infrastructure um, network, I would say. But is it still useful as a post office? I think uh, it's still um, useful. We often say that people don't use mails and don't use letters as often nowadays. But still, it's, it has a certain uh, kind of functionality. It's also very important for us to find a new life, find a new function um, for the building so that it will be able to live on. So we're just going into, just left Jardine House where we were looking over at the GPO and just uh, going into the general post office and up the escalator. Do you know, you can still get aerograms here that are really not that much up on when I arrived here in 1993. I, I wrote a lot of aerograms in my days when I, I, I was a schoolgirl studying in England for two years. And, and I, I wrote a lot of aerograms home now to my parents and my parents still kept it. <laughs> for me also, um, it's, uh, I mean, this is also a town of philatelists, so... Um, you know, I'd have thought the whole stamp collecting, I mean, I've always found amazing here that you would arrive on the day that a first day cover was being released or new stamps and the queue for the collection where, where people could go and buy them was huge. Yeah, um, my friend is actually a stamp designer and uh, he recently um, just issued uh, his uh, collection of stamps uh, which uh, focus on the typhoon signals. So, in fact, the, the day that collection was issued was a typhoon day. So interesting. And, and they were really beautiful. I think you can still get them now. Now, where we've come up onto the first floor of the G uh, General Post Office or the GPO, we're actually looking through these huge uh, vertical windows um, back over to Jardine House so we can see all the, the circle windows of Jardine House, which have another name. Now, Charles, you're quite interested in these windows. One of the very interesting quality of, of the building is that um, it's the facade. You have these um, gigantic two-story high um, windows 
and then above that you will see that there are there is a strip of solid um, facade which you know, behind is the machineries it doesn't need any sort of um, uh, sunlight right and then after that you have smaller much smaller windows and then you will be able to see um, uh, that that is the offices talking about the windows right I, I think um, and also opening towards the city itself rather than uh, towards the harbor I think this is one of the most interesting features about the post office is that you know through these windows we can look back at the city at the amazing urban center uh, of central district and all the different kinds of architectures from different eras so we look over Edinburgh Place Further on, you've got Chater Garden, you've got Statue Square. But yes, it's lovely. You have Jardine House up to your right, and then you're looking over, and you can see the former Legislative Council building, now the quarter-final appeal, built in 1912. Uh, what's that in front of it? Bank of China. The Bank of China uh, right next to it, really modern-looking. And then we can still see the um, Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank with the Norman Foster designed building and uh, we can also see the really cute car park you know two story three story car park a cute car park (laughs) (laughs) because I I have to say um, that was the first multi-story car park in Hong Kong yes I mean you look at any old films where it features the staff area or anything that car park is is in there, you know? But um, you know, this building is what two story, five stories, five. five stories. But could it go higher? I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, I know that there are uh, people are sort of talking about building a ground scraper that would, you know, that so the GPO would be demolished. Um, you'd have um, another structure that would go right up to the Star Ferry, and the idea of this would be commercial and office uh, retail. Um, and also some sort of transport links underneath. You know, in terms of the the GPO, I mean, it is a, build, a big building. If people are sending fewer letters, has you know, has the GPO had its time? Is it now redundant? Oh, the building itself definitely is uh, in good quality. It is just 40 years old. It, it was built in 1976. It still can serve many more years if we want to. And also, um, when the architect first designed this building, um, he reserved the capacity for this building to expand, in fact. And uh, there, there, there is capacity for it to um, add at least two stories. Oh, so the loading is uh, yeah. was done with that in mind. Exactly, exactly. Planned. Yeah. yeah. We feel that uh, even if they want to move the post office or to reduce the area used for post office, they can still use this building in many ways, many many ways, because the uh, the layout is quite open. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, so you could use it for conferences. Conferences, exhibitions, and uh, you know, for for. Um, so many things we can think of. I think we, we need to do a competition, maybe, <laughs> to get ideas. Could yeah. you put the Palace Museum in here? The Palace Museum? <laughs> I, I, I thought it, it was already decided, isn't it? In uh, the West Kowloon. I, I think we can have some other interesting things happening here. But what's interesting about the post offices, uh, Charles, is that they always seem to mark the next stage of reclamation. Yes, um, because... 
because um, the in the old days, um, the post office has to be next to the to the harbor. They have to have a sort of access to the harbor front, because then then the mails will will, will be offload to the ferries, and the ferries will take the mails to the big ships. So it used to be one block within the land, and then um, after that they have to move it out one block so that it will be able to access the harbor more easily. As a matter of fact, this building actually have its own private pier, kind of like tucked underneath the building. So I think they still have this kind of sort of tunnel thing um, underneath the building, and you know they will be able to take the um, mails very quickly to to the harbor front and off. So the tunnel still exists. I think so, but I haven't seen it in use in these uh, few years. Now behind us is a wooden arch uh, on the wall. There is that from the previous post office. Yes, it was already in display in the third generation, which is the generation one generation back. So I have a feeling that it's actually f- from the second or from the first generation post office because you know in the in the third generation building they are already sort of displaying it as a sort of antique. Now, what was the previous post office like? It's more classical-looking building. It's uh, built in this kind of neoclassical styles where you will see a lot of these kind of Roman arches on the outside. It's also very imperialistic uh, as well. So it's it's totally different from what we have right now um, in this uh, general post office, which is a modern architecture. I would love to read that. Uh, what's writing? You know, it was written on the arch um, as cold waters to a thirsty soul. Soul is good news from a far country. I think it's a really meaningful sentence and statement about the role of the post office. That means it is, you know, bringing us news from far away and uh, connecting us to maybe families or, or friends from, you know, a, to a distant country. So. Yes, it's I remember really about two country. years ago or 18 yeah. months ago when I was doing a programme about uh, or an interview with the head of the observatory and he was talking about, you know, at Signal Hill how obviously you would have uh, signals for incoming typhoon, this sort of thing to warn people, but also there was a signal when the post boat came in so that people could go and be warned that they, they could go and get their letters. For me, I don't know whether that's a romantic element for me, but I still love letters um the whole stationery the stamp the handwriting i think the handwriting is so indicative of a person um, and the effort that goes into it and i think lying for me lying on a sofa cutting open the envelope reading the letter having a cup of coffee with that is so much nicer uh, for for me um, emails are useful but emails are work yeah, I totally agree. Especially, I mean, for, for people of our age, you know, we're similar <laughs> age, then we, we really miss letters a lot. Because, um, you know, in our times, when I was a student, we used to write a lot of letters. Yeah, certainly. My first few years in Hong Kong, people really wrote letters. Now I'm very lucky to get, to get any at all. It's just completely disappeared. My parents still showed me, you know, some of my letters uh, written in the old days. And, and I, I, it's it really amazing to look at them, you know, how, how, how many things that I'm trying to talk about and, uh, you know, the handwriting itself. Uh, you know, we, we seldom pick up a pen nowadays yeah. and then we always use either the phone, the computer. And it, I mean, even the grandfathers use, uh, you know, WhatsApp and email now. Yeah. So. so everything is, is digital 
now. And everything is instant. Yeah, everything is so abstract. I think you know the letters and the mails, you know, these kind of tangible things stands as a sort of higher ideal, right? And I think the city always needs this kind of you know higher ideal. These、um, writings, which、um, they put it on the the glass windows,、uh, this is actually. An art project、uh, the post office did a, a few years ago, and、uh, it, in fact, is、uh, they are abstracts from, for example, letters or from some、uh, literature,、um, talking about relationships,、um, connections, and、uh, probably letter writing, things like that. So now they are beautifully put on the the windows, showing that how the post office. And、uh, mails and letters act as a, really a connection between people. Well, my parents were pen friends in different countries, so I, th- I think you know they used to write letters to one another every three days.、Wow. Your parents? Yes, yes. Yes. So, so they were first pen friends. Yes. Oh wow, that's romantic. <laughs> yes, I think you're you are right that when you I don't know whether people look back through emails or archive emails in the same way that you grab a load of letters and stick an elastic band round or a ribbon,、uh, or people discover them in boxes later. I'm not saying that you have to save everything, but certainly I laugh when I read early letters that I sent to my parents from Hong Kong. I don't, I mean, not laugh, but it's this this young woman who's very wrapped up in this new city that she's arrived in and very excited. Uh, some 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 of my views I do laugh at because I'm I'm just you know geography's wrong or I'm very do- you know I'm I'm learning things and talking like an expert. The other aspect is that in 1993 I'm saying and I don't know where I got grabbed this figure from, but I'm saying I'm probably going to stay for three years. Yes, and 24 years on, you know, I'm probably going to stay for three years, whatever that meant. So that was in a letter home, and you know, and、uh, for me, it's also now that when I see my letters from half a lifetime ago, that's for me is a personal record because I've never been good at writing diaries. My diaries always die at the end of January if they last that long, and、um, so my letters back to my parents are actually. My personal、so、record. Oh,、uh, I don't know whether they kept it all, but some. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. yeah. How about your parents' letters that they wrote to each other? I need to check that you, actually. Read them. I need to check with them. You know <laughs> what was kept. My German grandmother. My mother comes from Germany originally, and my grandmother. That was very tragic. My grandfather died as part of the German army on the Russian front, and a very unwilling soldier who was brought in. He was already old, thirty-eight, thirty-nine in,、mm-hmm. in in、uh, military terms. And two things. One, my he died, and my he was shot. And uh, my uh, grandma then burnt the letters. She was so upset that she burnt the letters. So we don't have that record. But we do have a rather faded, sort of low quality postcard that he sent to my mother from the Russian front. And he calls her Medle, which is slang for little girl in southern Germany. And、uh, he writes Medle. I'm glad you're not here because it's so cold here. And, I, and for me, it always is hugely emotional. This man didn't want to be here. It's a story of war that, that can be exemplified in many, many different countries and many different backgrounds. But you know, for me, and that postcard stands as in my mum's collection. Are we going to do that with emails? I don't know. Possibly. Also with postcards when they show where somebody's been for their holidays. My daughter, who is an adult now, still send me postcards when、yes. she travels. So I, I really treasure that, and I, I think that's、uh, one of the main reasons we still need the post office, and and we still send 
postcards or letters, preferably. Perhaps we should start a campaign of, you know, <laughs> writing letters again. I mean, to connect with uh, someone instead of just emails. In a way, we still need the post office, and and it's quite a shame that the government is now cutting down the postal services. Having said that, though, they have to react to the market. It's this idea that yes, I I like letters, but if people aren't sending letters, do you keep? You keep all of these services open in Britain, and certainly, I think the real shame is elderly who used to go and pick up their pensions every week from the post office. Though you would have village post offices in Britain, and they were a connection to the community, and now they just post them. Well, that person could be lying on the floor for five days.、Um, whereas, and also just just the level of loneliness for some elderly in Britain,、uh, they you know the, the amount who don't who will go without a conversation for a couple of weeks. And I think that these social centres, such as post offices, provided that a little chat, talk about the weather, a connection. Yeah, yeah. I remember the the village post office when I studied in England. Yeah, it acts as a, like a bank. It's a post office, and it's also a snack shop. You know, we, we can、oh, go and、okay. buy, you know, a, a packet of Twix there, <laughs> something like that. You know, I, I really enjoyed it, and and、uh, th- there was a really friendly old lady and her husband, you know, working there and doing all these、um, things for us. You know, I the mean, the post, post office still is a place where we can pay ba- bills and things, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. I, I think there's still a lot more. I mean, parcels, for example, our.、Um, Uh, Filipino、uh, helpers who send their parcels back to their country—they're still using them a lot. And、uh, during lunchtime, I was here a few days ago, and and there are still long queues. Yeah.、Um, you know, sending all sorts of things, and so I, I think,、uh, although you said the demand for the service may be reduced. Nowadays, but there are still a certain demand for it. And、uh, well, while we've just been standing standing here, the queue that we're next to is a steady queue of about twenty people, and that just that just steadily keeps on at the same number、um, as they go and queue up for their various services. So yes, I don't think it's disappeared entirely by a long way. So, Katie, when you send、uh, a letter and you use proper stamps, do you do you lick and stick? Oh. I, I thought they all become stickers now. No. If you buy them, well, you buy yours. I bought mine from Seven Eleven. You know, like a pack of ten, and and they are now stickers. I don't. No, know if they buy them here, yeah, you get you get those sponges in the water, like here,、yeah. and then you can just、uh, wet the backs. Or I just I just tend to lick, so everybody's getting my saliva <laughs> DNA as I send mine. And, and you like those because you're nostalgic, huh? Yeah, well, I don't know,、um, but you just put your airmail on. But I do find that yes, there is for me. There's the whole background to it. The fact that you know, if you send something surface mail, where's it going? I'd have to see what the、yeah. shipping routes are these days. But in the old days, probably Aden or down the Suez Canal. Who knows? I mean, I would need to have a look at my geography properly.、Um, but you know, things like that yeah, I find really interesting. When you when you hold the the letter, when you hold the mail, you can sort of imagine that you know these letter have been to places that you probably won't no, never、right. never gonna go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So for that, for that for me is very interesting. I also find a modern transport the fact that I will send a letter here on a Thursday, and my parents in Southern England have already got it on the following Tuesday. Sorry, I just still find that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking with Katie Law, co-convener of the Central and Western Concern Group here at the General Post Office, which was built just over 40 years ago in 1976. The GPO is at risk because of a ground scraper project, which will be retail offices and go all the way up to the Star Ferry with a, a transport hub, prospectively underneath. Charles Lai, 
is a PhD student at the University of Hong Kong of architectural history. Yes, of architectural history. So for you, how do you how do you view the GPO? This is a you know is modern architecture of the British Empire. <laughs> yes, sort of. Um, but then it also have a certain kind of value uh, in the in the post colonial uh, era. I would say it's 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 been here with the Hong Kong people for, for such a long time. So I think it has a sort of value as as a symbol of of Hong Kong and and also as a very special public uh, place in, in in central. And the architecture itself. I mean, what do you call it? And who would have designed it in the first place here in? 1976. Um, in the 1976, um, it was designed by um, an architect called Mr. Zhang from the Public Works Department. So it was the days when the government projects were still designed by in-house architects from the government. And at that time, uh, this sort of modern architecture aesthetic or technique, it's the uh, sort of cutting edge technology. But it's uh, all reinforced concrete. What other buildings would you have of a similar era? As a matter of fact, a lot of the uh, public housing in the 60s and 70s were built in the same sort of um, aesthetic, same sort of um, architectural principle. Um, and also, when you, if you trace it back a little bit, um, the central market in central was also built in such a such a, such a manner, and then the uh, city hall was also built in such a way. So you can see all these buildings as sort of um, a cluster of this kind of modern architecture building. The General Post Office, together with the City Hall and the Edinburgh Place, in itself a heritage cluster. You know, they are they were built more or less the same time. Of course, the city hall a bit earlier, but they are all modern architecture, which is really well designed and uh, still functioning very well. In fact, an international conservation organization called the Dokomomo International has already uh, listed the General Post Office in their heritage in danger list. So they know that uh, this General Post Office is now at risk and they are trying to also convey this message to the international community. I also invited the president of the ICOMOS, that is the International Council on Monuments and Sites, um, the 20th Century Heritage Committee, to visit this building a few months ago. And she agreed with me that this is a, a fine building that deserves conservation. So I'm hoping that in the coming months we'll, we'll be trying to really ask the government to consider preserving the General Post Office rather than demolition. So I think it's very important now that um, we have a, a much more vibrant discussion in the community about how to um, you know, best conserve this building rather than knocking it down and just taking them all to the landfill. I mean, it's, it will be such a waste. Right now, uh, it's just last week, for example, that the District Council, the Central and Western District Council, discussed this topic. And but I think um, there need to be more discussions in the community. And I don't think knocking down the General Post Office just for building another you know, commercial block is a good idea. I mean, they're not going to build something really tall anyway. You know, in this ground scraper, I think it's just, you know, low to medium rise. So how about thinking, I mean, giving more thoughts to how to reuse the general post office will be a much beneficial direction to um, Hong Kong and, you know, people on reserving a good piece of architecture 
and giving it a, a good use, a good public use to um, enhance its value. I remember in London they have the Royal Festival Hall, which is also a, a quite a similar kind of modern architecture heritage. Um, and then it was uh, uh, abandoned uh, for quite a long while in, in London. But I think like 10 years ago or something like that, they um, sort of come up, come up with a plan to reuse it as a sort of public um, place. When you think of the general post office, it, it's also viable to sort of transform it as a piece of um, a public space. The mail uh, services can move to somewhere else and then these could be transformed to, as you said, like conference uh, spaces or just, you know, public spaces in central. You know, not every public space has to be malls or shopping malls. And then there must be a way to sort of work with the ground scraper so that it become an architecture with much more character, much more quality than, you know, just uh, another piece of shopping mall. I also saw another example um, from Hamburg. There is a warehouse, I think, and uh, probably also vacant for some time. And, uh, and the government just asked an architect to redesign it, I mean, to add you know, something on top of the warehouse and it becomes the place, you know, a concert hall, I think, which is really interesting. Um, the architect, I think it's uh, Herzog de Muron. Yeah, so it's a really interesting piece of architecture and a very popular uh, concert hall for the public. So that is another idea that the government can consider. Because, as I say, um, this uh, GPO has the capacity of, uh, you know, putting something on top of it. So um, it could very easily uh, become an iconic architecture itself. Although, of course, already it, it is an iconic building right now. But uh, I think more creative ideas regarding the architecture as well as the use can be, you know, generated. So everyone is talking about soft power and cultural strength uh, right now, right? So when we look at the architecture of Hong Kong, um, I think, you know, uh, having a piece of good architecture is it's, it's an imp- important part of, of the cultural um, strength of a place. And, you know, it marks how livable the city is. The example in Hamburg, uh, it may be a little bit more expensive or time-consuming to do this kind of work, to work with um, heritage buildings, but it's definitely worth it because it will be able to turn something that would be mundane into something that would be uh, much more interesting. So I think it has a value to the city beyond uh, economical terms. Charles Lai, a PhD student of architectural history at the University of Hong Kong, and Katie Law, co-convener of the Central and Western Concern Group, talking there on the General Post Office in Central. Next week, I head to the Hong Kong Maritime Museum on Pier 8 to look at a superb exhibition called On Sharks and Humanity. Some 39 international and Chinese artists have collaborated to create installation art, sculptures and visual art to convey their thoughts on the shark fin industry. So in total, there's five outdoor pieces here. So there's 
there's one here that looks like it's been made out of auto parts which is really cool yes there's another gut what piece over here that looks like there's a human but his head is actually the shape of a hammerhead head so we call him hammerhead man but i'm sure that's not his real name and he's like um got some fishing nets behind him and then my favorite one which is the 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 one here by uh, artist lee Huey, which is the the shipping container that's been morphed into the shape of a, of a poor shark that's trying to bust its way out Shark's fin soup is causing the decimation of shark species and Hong Kong is at the epicentre of that. Well, what happens is that it will, um, you know, if it hasn't got its fins then it, it automatically just falls down to the seabed, it just sinks and dies a very brutal death because, um, you know, the, the, the ways that sharks breathe is that they have to swim very fast and then the, the water passing over their gills is that's how they breathe, that's how they intake oxygen. But, but if they can't do that, you know, once they've fallen down to the seabed they're in a stationary position they can't move on the seabed and they effectively um, suffocate to death or if, unless they've already lost too much blood from their wounds and they bleed to death. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.